Hi, welcome to another episode of Paul Tom Power, Power System Design's podcast on the latest in power and power design. I'm your host, Alex Paul, and today I've got uh, Jim Douglas from Wind River to uh, come onto the show and talk about the Internet of Things and the uh, software infrastructures involved. So come on board, Jim. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Alex. How are you? Oh, I am doing very well. A lot of my audience knows I've been really very following very closely on the Internet of Things and a lot of the challenges that are being presented to the design community. And a lot of people forget that as much as it is a hardware issue, obviously, it's also as much of a software infrastructure issue. And a lot of hardware designers are being challenged by that very software component, wouldn't you say, Jim? Well, absolutely. In a lot of cases, they created it intentionally. You know, developers have done a great job of ensuring a lot of the infrastructure that currently exists is safe and secure. And one of the reasons or one of the ways they did that was they purpose-built them to never see an enterprise network and to really fulfill the promise of IoT. Obviously, we're going to have to be able to connect a lot of the existing infrastructure together um, through enterprise networks through the cloud. And so one of the challenges is how do we do that? How do we connect these devices? How do we manage them? How do we do this all securely? Um, and mm-hmm. this is the big opportunity, too. Well, and you know, the funny thing is, Jim, is it, it literally is such early days in all of this. We are literally making it up as we go along. Nobody, nobody even has a, a, an agreed-upon pronunciation for the Internet of Things acronym yet. Some people say IOT. Some people are saying IOT. You know, it's very much a blind man in the elephant thing is, oh, yes, the uh, Internet of Things looks very much like uh, smart pad application space and another engineer says no no the internet of things space is infrastructure reporting back to the grid and you know it's literally wherever the grid the uh, internet of things is what you perceive from your direction but it all has to work together so the software has to work across the board right it is it's the wild wild west you know ge's got the industrial internet cisco has the internet of everything ibm's got smart planet uh, to your point, though, that's kind of the long pole in the tent is, once again, how do you take existing infrastructure that, in a lot of cases, has really long life cycles? You know, if you look at factory floor equipment, it's usually kind of seven to eight-year depreciation cycles. If you look at things in the military, they could be 20 years. You know, how do you take those? How do you come up with a strategy to bring those forward into the Internet of Things? And I think that's where we're working with a lot of our customers um, in developing things like smart gateways where you can aggregate information off the edge, off devices that were not IP-enabled, be able to aggregate that, be able to securely move that information from the edge to the cloud and move it back from the cloud down to the edge so those devices can actually make use of the information coming off the cloud. Exactly, because the other side of the Internet of Things is going to be the application of big data, you know, capital B, capital D, to all of this to get the system-level efficiencies and management oversight required to make the effort worthwhile in an ROI sense. It is. If you think about it, people are trying to really do three things, if you make it grand simple, right? They want to observe, they want to predict, and they want to adapt. On the observation front, with the current infrastructure we have, people can do a pretty good job of building in things like health monitoring into systems. You know, worst case, Mm -hmm. they can just output log files and look at them. The real goal is when you can start to, as you just said, aggregate a lot of data off the edge and start doing things like predictive maintenance, where now I can use statistics to really start to look at when equipment should be maintained um, and thus keep them running longer, 
and thus keep them running um, at a more effective pace. The next step that really people are looking forward to is what I'd call adaptive analytics. You know, now if I understand how all of my systems are running in a big system of systems, I can start to adapt their behavior to optimize for the whole system. You know, if I've got, take for example, a windmill sitting in the North Sea uh, in a farm of windmills, and one of them on the north side, if you've got a north to south wind, isn't running right, it's going to disturb the rest of the wind farm. I can now start to adapt the rest of the wind farm, you know, either change the camber of the blade, change the speed, things like that, so I can optimize the output. That's the gold. That's what everybody's looking for. Right, right. Oh, and Jim, and and all the way across the board, too, because um, when you start talking about dealing with uh, variable power sources like harvested and alternate energy, the grid has to be much more dynamic as well. So it's almost as if the power sources are going to have to start uh, calling for attention. I mean, we're almost going to wind up in a negotiated power world where everyone is constantly talking to everyone it might get to the point where your washing machine might actually check the spot price of electricity before letting you turn it on or not for the, for the uh, wash cycle. Absolutely. And we're finally at a point where, you know, you can afford to get enough silicon in devices like that where you can start to make them intelligent, right? Before the you know, price and the power dissipation of silicon was attractive enough, it was pretty hard to put enough software in there to enable devices to operate like that. Now that we can, you can actually build, as I said, kind of the connectivity, the security, and the manageability, both at the device level and the cloud level, where you can start to create scenarios like that. Um, and it's going to be very interesting. It's you know That's why companies like Cisco and GE and IBM are all over this, because the economics are huge. I mean, Cisco says IoT in the next 10 years is going to be about a $14.5 trillion market, you know, GE, so 70 trillion. So I don't know who's right, who's wrong. That's a lot of zeros, though, Alex. Well, oh, please, Jim. Well, the, the bottom line is, in reality, what we're talking about is simply making the system smart. Just, you know, all of these acronyms and all. Essentially, smart grid is probably the most succinct, but the bottom line is every application will become smart. So it's not so much that the Internet of Things is going to be this multi-trillion dollar market. It's that the multi-trillion market, dollar market of everything will eventually become smart, and then it becomes semantics, whether it's the cart leading the horse or the horse leading the cart, Internet of Things leading the functionality or the functionality leading the Internet of Things, because you're pointing to a market that if that locomotive is now on the Internet of Things, is that now part of the Internet of Things cost balance sheet? No, it's functionality yeah, added. So I think, I think everybody's right, but everybody's getting, again, it's reality is being determined by the perspective of the viewer. It's smart in stating the obvious connected. I mean, Wind River, our operating environments are in almost 2 billion devices that are sitting on the edge today. And as I said earlier, you know, we've helped people build these robust, purpose-built, safe and secure systems. In a lot of cases, they're using, you know, proprietary connectivity protocols and sitting on things like mesh networks instead of using IP and sitting on enterprise networks. So it's how do you take something like um, a transformer that's sitting on a power line and come up with a strategy where you can now connect that to every transformer on every power line. Um, that's mm-hmm. not why they're built or how they're built. Or take a refrigeration device or take an air conditioning device, you know, this industrial class. Those weren't built to do that. So working with customers with strategies to bolt on technologies that can extract information off that edge, as I said, aggregate it through intelligent gateways, and then create a secure loop 
up and back from the cloud to really start to do what you're talking about, right? How can you more effectively utilize these assets that are in field already? Exactly. And, and half of that problem, and I, am, I imagine you're encountering it as well, is the link. there is no true lingua franca across the industries in power, which is, which is actually, I was surprised when I first realized that, for example, a, a grid-level engineer looks at transformers different than a board-level engineer. A grid-level engineer will tell you, will talk about transformers in percentages. Yep, you know, absolutely. A, a board-level board engineer doesn't think of transformers that way. So right off the bat, you've got to start translating, you know, French to English and English to French, as it were, to get the grid-level guys to even be able to talk on the same frame of reference with the uh, device and board level people. Well, and then you say the grid, right? You watch the movies, you think there's just one big connected grid. I think as you well know, there's not. You know, in the U.S., there's several grids. And so, you know, within one grid, how do you accomplish that? But then how do you do it across the grids in the U.S., right? The Western grid, the Texas grid, the Eastern grid. Um, and that lack of lingua franca is definitely something that has to be overcome. Well, I'm imagining that's something that you're going to address as you move forward and integrate these systems because as the interface integration portion of it, the burden, unfortunately, or fortunately, it lets you steer some of it, is going to be a lot on your shoulders. Yeah, we are. We're doing some cool projects right now, even within the power grid. You know, one of the other challenges that they've got is um, how frequently and how accurately they can actually monitor uh, information going through the grid, much like a data network, right? And so we're mm-hmm. working with a couple of utilities uh, right now on some advanced technology that can give them a lot more acuity in terms of how they monitor, um, be able to tie those systems together once again in a secure manner so no one could hack in and potentially manipulate what was occurring in terms of distribution. So there's a lot of uh, interesting proof of concepts going on right now that I think are going to bear pretty significant fruit in the next three to five years. Very nice, very nice. So uh, is, there, is there anything specific about your products you'd like to uh, mention that address this? Yeah, well, I think the key is um, I've mentioned security and connectivity a lot, and security is one of the things that's very interesting. Um, the unfortunate thing about security is people, if they could avoid it, wouldn't build it in because it's very expensive. So the challenge right. is always how much security is enough. And one of, the, one of the things that we've also been doing for a lot of our customers is starting out with a security strategy, um, so more in a consulting role in terms of what their overall system looks like, where potential vulnerabilities could be, and enabling them first to make business decisions in terms of how much security to build in. And then, you know, getting down to the deep technology. You know, how do I ensure at the device level I've got secure boot, I've got attestation, I've got runtime security, connectivity security, application security, right? and then working mm-hmm. on the network to ensure that's secure. So that's our legacy. You know, that's the last 30-plus years of Wind River. We've been doing that. Um, we now get to apply it on a bigger scale as, a, once again, all these edge devices are looking to finally be connected um, in some form or fashion into an enterprise network. So we kind of see the market coming to us, which is really exciting. Yeah, I can imagine. I can really imagine. So, Jim, do you have any final thoughts for our audience before we close out the episode? Well, I think the big thought for me is, you know, as you said earlier, IoT is the next big shiny word. You know, everybody kind of manipulates the definition. Um, I think what I'm excited about is, back to what we talked about earlier, is critical infrastructure. You know, the sexy parts of the market are things like wearables, and those really will have a fundamental change from society. But the big economics, I believe, are going to be in current critical infrastructure. 
And the challenge, once again, is how do you take all those purpose-built edge devices and move them forward into IoT? Um, but that's where the huge dollars are going to be. You know, how do we affect, as you said, kind of power distribution um, and power um, generation? How do we affect how efficient uh, transportation systems are? How do we start to link together manufacturing plants with procurement globally so we can drive down manufacturing costs and, you know, drive up safety? This is where um, a lot of focus is going to be, is taking what I call that brownfield or that existing infrastructure and moving it forward into IoT. And that's where, you know, our expertise really comes uh, to, to bear in focusing and spending a lot of time with a lot of our current customers to make that a reality. Hmm. Well, you know, you're absolutely right. And we are moving in. When you're moving into uncertain territory, it's always nice to have a guide that has at least an idea of where where it's going. And as you pointed out, the IoT is an infrastructure issue as much as it is a device issue. So I'm glad that you came on board to help, um, <clears throat> pardon me, help the audience understand some of those issues and point out your solutions. Absolutely. And I appreciate the time today, Alex. Oh, and, and Jim, I'm going to drag you back because it's not like we're going to solve the uh, Internet of Things in one conversation, and there's going to be <laughs> a lot more coming up that we're going to talk about. We'll work on World Hunger next. There you go. So, and I'd like, so I'd like to thank you to be here and uh, for being here, and I'd also like to thank our audience for taking the time to listen to us. We wouldn't be here without them. I hope they tell their friends. Uh, so this is Alex Paul for Paul on Power. Have a great day.